Well, hello everyone and welcome to today's program. Today we have a special follow-up episode from yesterday, the news that we had uh, in regards to the French authorities giving us a bit of a heads up about some of the uh, illegal migrants on the boats towards Dover uh, having guns on the boats and also essentially indicating that some of them might be potential enemies and terrorists. Uh, then since then we also heard that at least one individual, because uh, we have been told there have been multiple people on special planes that came from Kabul to the west uh, were on the no-fly zone. One of them, they got vetted and they found that actually was apparently okay, but there, there have been indications that there could be a number of potential terrorists, uh, whether links to Al-Qaeda or Taliban, but potentially Al-Qaeda or ISIS, who have actually essentially accidentally been welcomed to the west uh, because we just freaked out and took everyone on the planes from uh, Kabul airport. We have with us today a, an expert on migration from Bow Group, Benjamin Lockley. Well, let's go to Benjamin and uh, see what's exactly going on uh, between Afghanistan and uh, the West. Uh, welcome to the show, Benjamin. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. So uh, what's the latest from your side? Because obviously you, you're more in touch in terms of the latest from uh, these, these sort of news and stories. And uh, what's the perspective? Because obviously you've been quite busy these days going on uh, different like media platforms, talk radio, GB News and everywhere. Um, it's, there are not many people who actually are try to stay in touch with all these sort of stories. Everybody has an opinion, including probably myself, but uh, you yourself try to keep yourself up to date with all these uh, news stories. Uh, what's the latest in terms of uh, the potential threats, but also the general overview of how we should deal with the Afghan migrant crisis? Well, yeah, it's one thing to sort of uh, keep up to date with the news. It's another thing to sort of keep your head because... You find that so many people who you thought were sort of sane and reasonable are jumping on this bandwagon of, oh, my God, let's take absolutely everyone, no matter who they are, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I can I can empathize with that. I think, you know, you look at what's happening in Afghanistan, you think I wouldn't want to live under Taliban rule. If I were in that situation, that's exactly what I'd be doing. So from a human perspective, I understand why people are doing this. But when it comes down to it, um, no matter where you are in the world, there are good people, there are bad people. You have to have some kind of discretion. You have to have some sense of filtering. So we know, OK, we can take these people. We don't take these people because they might be involved with Taliban. They might be involved with, you know, you, you see these things about cultural practices in Afghanistan, things like the Pashtuns, their approach to, you know, their, their view on women, their view on, you know, uh, certain sexual practices of young boys, that sort of thing which we are inviting in very gung-ho um, without any sense of discernment because we look at Afghanistan and we think the situation there is so fraught and so terrible that we have to just, oh my God, bleeding hearts, open our doors to absolutely everyone. Unfortunately, it's not sensible. It might be charitable. It might be, you know, uh, morally sort of uh, virtuous and correct and all the rest of it. But you have to be sensible. This isn't some, you know, uh, free-for-all that we can we can extend. There is a considering there is there is some sort of no fly list zo uh, list and uh, the the others uh, some can be identified and some just can't be identified because of the the, the nations and the cultures that they have that uh, we don't they don't really have centralized ID systems obviously uh, but those ha who can be identified that's a lot easier but those who can't um, that's more tricky because um, those who should be on some sort of no fly list uh, list then of course um, that should be easier to check i mean of course there's a bureaucratic process and of course you know that the border force and the home office are you know usually make mistakes but um why is it that they say that potentially there have been some names uh, who essentially went through uh, the process that they should just be completely banned 
It's not a gray zone area. It's not a, oh, we don't have a paperwork to, to double check the, the, the face ID or you know, DNA. Um, is it just a, a bureaucratic complacency, uh, just classic home office and government uh, just being bad at everything? Or do you think there is a, a, a bit of an agenda in terms of uh, that's not a priority. Let's just take the risk, bring everybody in because of the political pressure and the media. We don't want to come across as the evil Nazis that we don't want anybody in. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Um, on the one hand, it's the softness, the namby-pamby stuff. You know, we had obviously the government saying earlier on this week when this was first happening that people from Afghanistan won't need to provide passports or documentation, whatever else. So you're basically getting rid of any uh, quality control whatsoever that we currently have in place. Um, in the name of effectively, we need to get as many people here as possible in the shortest amount of time possible. So we're going to throw down any sort of uh, barriers that might exist. But those barriers exist for a reason. G.K. Chesterton once said uh, a rule in life is to never take down a fence until you know why it was put up. And it's like, you know, you can imagine that in real terms. You see this wall and you think, what's that doing there? That's spoiling my view. I'm going to take it down. You take it down and suddenly some mad dogs the other side start coming through and ripping you to shreds or whatever. You know, like there are sometimes there are things in place for a reason and you don't want to take those down until you understand why they were put up. But people are losing their head a bit. I also think there's a lack of uh, proper communication with the Americans. I've heard from uh people who are involved in the military over in Afghanistan, that effectively the Americans have uh, cut us out of negotiations. We're not involved. Yeah. We can't communicate with the Americans in Afghanistan. So we're trying to run this operation on our own, yeah. British, without any support from the Americans there. And so it is absolute chaos over there. I yeah. can't imagine, even if we did want to enforce these uh, rules yeah. that we currently have in place, I don't think we'd be able to. No, to be fair, on the one hand, um, I've actually been uh, one of the few who's been defending what uh, Trump was trying to do a few months, well, a year ago with the negotiations, uh, because uh, people like Biden who just completely put it on Trump, saying, well, it was his, his idea, he did it first. Uh, in reality, firstly, the deal that he agreed was not there, so he, there was always the reassurances, and you know, it was not supposed to just be like, oh, we're just leaving anyway. On the other hand, there's one flaw that the Trump administration, the negotiators did, was they basically left everybody out, including the Afghan government. I know kind of why they did it, because the Afghan government was so corrupt and stupid that they just wouldn't, should not be in, in technically involved. Uh, but uh, the NATO allies were also technically out. Um, that you know, it's, I don't think it was technically the fault of Trump, but the, the people who were running the White House who did this. And the American system, when they completely leave everybody else behind, then of course when something bad happens, then how can we actually try our best to cooperate we don't know exactly how it happened and they then negotiating on behalf of everybody else uh, so i think that's one of the biggest issues that we have but at least to be fair with all the issues and flaws of the french government and the complacency and they have technically a lot of problems with us because of brexit um we should slightly be thankful that at least they gave us a bit of a heads up the intelligence that uh, about the boats a couple of days ago that there might be some guns or terrorists on them uh, is, what's, what could be the solution? Should we now, as Britain, who used to be the soft power, and at the time, in, a long time ago, we used to be hard power, should we try to become a soft power again to, uh, at least short term, not police the world, but at least sort out these problems? Because America is now completely withdrawing from the international stage. Or is it a bad idea? Let's just, everybody just completely become isolationist. Well, this is one of the things I said uh, the other day on GB News. I think there's, part of this is the identity crisis. We don't know what we are anymore. We were an empire. We were vastly powerful. 
for the past sort of 30 or 40 years, we've effectively existed in the shadow of America in terms of foreign policy. But now that America are weakening as well and they're losing their way and they are sort of giving up or abandoning things in Afghanistan, we don't have a big brother to look after us anymore. And we're also not as big as we once were. So the only thing that we have left are impotent gestures of asylum. So rather than say we're going to come over there and sort things out like we've been doing for the past couple of hundred years or in the last 40 years in the shadow of America, all we have left now is to say, well, you can come here if you want. It's like we've tried to stop people burning their house down for years and years and years and they finally burn it down. and We've gone, well, fuck it, you can move into the attic if you want. But that's not the solution. We don't have the space. You know, we're so weak now and we've got one trick left and it's to crowd our country as much as possible until we break. I mean, but that goes back to the main point. What could be next? What's the next stage? Because we have a we have a cultural debate right now because of it's not really culture wars, but maybe it is. It's the same category because we have the left and right, the liberal side and the conservative side debating about these sort of things, compassion or being basically ruthless and evil. And then, but you also have this debate among within the the political right. You got the isolationists, you got the interventionists, you got the liberal Tories or conservative Tories. Um, I, I, to be fair, I feel like if, when it comes to the actual winning the debate, you need to first that sort out the right, pick a side at least. Either you, you could either be completely isolationist or interventionist as a whole, but then do be practical case by case, and then we can now uh, try to debate with the the left in terms of the, the cultural level, the media level, uh, with the whole migration stuff as a whole, not just with Afghanistan, just generally speaking, uh, because I don't think we can have a solution until we sort out the fundamental um, definition of migration uh, and asylum seekers refugees illegal legal because because it's so vague right now for a lot of people out there because some people who just have their their own conviction you've got the, the liberal metropolitan londoners uh, who just think that everybody is um everybody is innocent everybody's good everybody who's coming here is going to be contributing and it's going to actually completely benefit the country and uh, there's no flaw, there are no criminals. And then there are some sides who, because of all the issues that's happened in the past, bad precedent, then there's some people become paranoid and say, well, because of that, I'm just scared of anybody coming in. So for now, let's just shut it down. Uh, there's no consensus or kind of, kind of nuanced sort of thing. Um, it's, it, do you think we should kind of win the debate first? One side should just win it first and then try to sort out policy. I do think that's the problem that politicians are failing because uh, they, just, they don't know how to convince people. Yeah, I do think it's something we need to get our house in order before we start telling other people how to organise theirs. And what you said about the culture wars, I think, is entirely correct. We don't know what we are anymore. We have this ongoing debate about what Britain is, what its identity is, what its values are, what we actually are as a force in the world, whether it's our business to go around the world telling people how to organise their societies or not. You know, all of these questions we're currently debating in our own society. And I think One of the reasons we were so successful for a couple of hundred years in dealing with things abroad was because we were so unified at home. We had a sense of an identity of what Britain was in the world. We had an idea of what we were going to be. Whether or not you agree with the empire or you think it was a good thing or a bad thing, at the time, people generally thought it was a good thing. There's a bit of a culture and at the end of the day uh like i said you can't tell other people how to organize their house until you've got your own house in order yeah to be i think one of the biggest strengths before i let you go is that at least with america 
uh, for some reason, other well, intentionally or unintentionally, since the creation of modern America, is that uh, they have created their own identity because of lack of culture and lack of heritage, unlike Europe. And America has this strength uh, that, despite you know being left wing or right wing in America, unless you're very hardcore left wing or anti America, even the liberal side, they still believe in that identity of the America and and also the flag and everything else. Generally speaking, so the first generation of migrants, generally speaking, when they go to America, it's a lot easier for them to integrate. Uh, to also adapt the American accent, for some reason, American accent is a lot easier to adapt than even the British accent for a lot of uh, uh, people coming from different countries. Uh, so they, it's a lot e well more welcoming for the, even the first generation in America to then become American and say we are American. First generation of Cubans say we are American, whereas because I think because of lack of identity here, uh, when the first generation comes here, like my mother when she first came here from Iran, um, to be fair, she was an exception that she somehow managed to identify as British, but the others would struggle. Like, so, because even when a white English British person sometimes struggles, with, what, what is English British? What, what, what are we? Um, so maybe we should try and fix that first, as you said. Um, and I think that the, the moment we actually completely take control over that narrative first, um, before we let that, for example, the cultural Marxist side try to completely bring us down, because they want to completely destroy the, uh, the identity, because they believe in this, uh, well, internationalist slash globalist Marxist movement that you know, we want to create this Star Trek fantasy world of everybody, all the rich should go down, we should have one president of the world, all the nonsensical stuff. Uh, so I think we should essentially win that debate first inside that country, uh, find out what our identity really is, uh, and then we, we could probably actually attract a lot of good migrants who could actually come here, become a British first generation, and then they could actually defend us like the Gurkhas, like the, all the others who actually, um, all the, for example, a, a lot of the former Indian colonies who now became the Commonwealth uh, from India, they are more patriotic <laughs> than a lot of the people, the white British people from Hackney, for example. I think this is the main problem. Yeah, it's all well and good talking about integration, but what are people integrating with? If there's no culture, if there's no sense of what British is, then people come here and they go, oh, well, there's nothing to adapt to. I'll just be myself and continue doing what I've been doing uh, in the country that I've come from. And then you get this situation where you have all of these different cultures existing in tandem with each other. They then form into little ghettos, little pockets, and you have multiple societies existing within one country, not really integrating or intermixing with each other. And then you're competing against countries like China who, who, who do have a solid idea of what yeah. they are they do know that they want to take over the world and if they if we don't uh, have that they will and they will take over the world and places like Afghanistan are going to get a lot worse as a result so yeah. you have all your people that you're, you're bleeding heart liberals in this country saying oh no we don't need a culture we don't need unity we, we can't being an empire is a bad thing involving ourselves abroad is a bad thing okay if we don't do it China will do it Russia will do it Iran yeah. will do it Qatar will do it. All of these people will do it. So if you don't want British people yeah. uh, doing this, someone will do it. Exactly, yeah. and that's I think that's the biggest point. Also, ironically, China because of the new mentality, uh, they are more pro um, well American mentality than uh, anybody else have because they they believe in this uh, since the the insurgents uh, that because of success and aspiration. Uh, they are essentially uh, more Americanized than uh, all the Europeans because they believe in this now war. We have to, uh, there's this vacuum. So we have to become this successful, even individuals, even though China is very based on collectivism and you know, you're doing for the state, but it's still a bit of the individual greed to get rich and to become successful, uh, even though you're doing it for the name of the state and the Communist Party. But uh, so they are essentially becoming more uh, old school American capitalists than the 
the current Americans and the British and the Europeans. So I think uh, we have to kind of uh, follow up on this, uh, especially with the, how we're going to deal with the Afghanistan issue anyway. And we have uh, a lot of uh, politicians and all the with certain mainstream media people who just don't even know what they're talking about. Uh, so I want to thank uh, Benjamin for coming on the show on this. And uh, uh, also for the rest of you, don't forget we have uh, reintroduced the, the new platform on Discord. So the new chat forums that we have on the new channel on the website is now Discord. So definitely check out the uh, the forums page on the website. Uh, get involved with Discord and uh, we could chat about all this after the show behind the scenes. Thanks again for coming on the show again, Benjamin. And I'll see you guys in the next video.